great to have you here today again. Uh, today we're in week three of our series called The Bright Side, and uh, we just thought this would be a great time, at, you know, our teaching team as we sort of prep sermons together uh, for all of our campuses. Uh, several months ago we said, what should we be preaching in September? And we said, you know, we should probably preach about how to stay positive in a negative world. How many of you have had some negative thoughts in the last eight months? Any, anyone that has negative thoughts in the last eight months? I'm going to raise both of my hands. Some of you are going to do the same thing. I've, I, it has been so crazy with COVID, with the rioting, with politics, with NCAA football. Did I mention NCAA football? It has been so crazy, and it, it's been an adjustment for all of us. I, if I hear someone say the new normal again, I'm going to choke them out, right? But I get it. I get it. It's a new normal, and it is, I, I don't like that. You guys probably feel the same way. So what we're doing in this series is we're saying, well, what, what does God's word say to us as, a, as people? If you're, if you're a part of Alpine Church, then you're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. Some of you might be here today, and you say, I'm still checking things out. Don't put me in that box. That's great. We're glad you're here. One of the things we love to do at Alpine is let people explore, let people discover, let people sort of dip their toe in the water. So maybe you've been dipping your toe in the water. And, and so that's great. And this series is great for you if you're not yet a Christian, if you're not yet affiliated. It's great for you because you're getting a, you're getting a peek into what the Christian culture should be all about. One of the things that frustrates me in this climate right now is when Christians are part of the problem. We should be part of the solution. Christians in our neighborhoods, in our communities, on social media, Christians should be positive. We shouldn't be negative. Could I just encourage you, as a, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or MySpace? Yeah, that, thank you, that's supposed to be funny. Follow along. Could I just encourage you, if you're going to say something negative, follow this rule. You need to say 10 positive things first, okay? Because you know what, I think if we as Christians would do, I know there's plenty of stuff to be negative about. There's, there, is plenty of, there are plenty of lies out there. And as Christians, we, we, trust, we trust God, we take God at his word. So I feel very passionate when somebody lies. And I want to correct them. But one of the things that I think we as Christians should be known for is that we're positive, that we're a positive force, not just a negative complaining force. So there's time that you need to call someone out. There's time, there are times when you need to say, hey, that's not right. Hey, you shouldn't do that. But by and large, we should be a positive force on our culture, and that's what this series is about. We're talking about how to stay positive in a negative world. The early Christians 2,000 years ago, trust me, they had it worse than we did because they were being persecuted. Many of them were martyred for their faith. And yet, when you read, I want you to hear this, when you read this Bible, you do not, this is not filled with complaints. This is not filled with victim mentality. This is not filled with negativity. This is filled with positivity. Do you know why? Because Jesus is for us, and if he is for us, who can be against us? So we, we, what we need to do as followers of Jesus is we need to represent the heart of Jesus to the people around us. Because listen, people are watching. People are watching. So do I like wearing a mask? Heck no. I can't stand, I'm claustrophobic. I can't stand wearing a mask. So people come into church 
And if you don't like wearing a mask, I'm with you. But we're going to wear a mask when we come in and when we, until we sit down, then we can take it off if you want to. We're going to do it. We're just going to do it. It's not a political statement. It's not because we want to. It's because we want to fill this place up. And we want to fight about the right things. I'm not going to fight about that. All right, fine. I'll wear the stupid mask. Tracy and I, we went to, we went to a play a month ago. And I, I, went, to the, I went into this, to the Hale Theater down in Salt Lake. I'm like, what the heck? This place was packed shoulder to shoulder with people. And they came on the PA and they said, the only reason we can do this is if you keep your masks on. And I thought, that's how they're getting away with this. Everyone's wearing a mask. And I started thinking, should we all just do that? Let's just wear a mask and let's pack this place out again. I'm not, we're not going there yet. But that's what I started thinking. The second thing I started thinking is, I'm a rule breaker. And I took my mask down. Like when the lights went down, you know what I'm saying? You'd have done it too. Don't judge me. I took my mask down. And I'm telling you, I had an usher on me in a split second. Look, flashing her light at me saying, mask, mask. So I had to put my mask back up. I'm not going to make a scene about that. I wanted to watch the play. There are going to be people that want to pursue God. There are going to be people that want to hear. There are more people than ever before who want to hear the message of Jesus now because the world has gone negative. There are more people who are anxious and depressed. There are more people seeking answers than I've seen in a long, long, since 9-11, We started Alpine Church. We held our first public service two days before the towers fell. We our our birthday as a church is 19 years ago, on the 9th of September. That was a Sunday that year. Two days later, the towers were hit. And I haven't, I haven't seen interest in the gospel like that since then. We are in an unprecedented time to reach people. Hear this. I want you to hear this. We are in an unprecedented time to reach people with the good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. People want good news when all they're hearing is bad news. So let's look on the bright side. That's what we're talking about today. Now, we, last week we talked about how we should praise and how we can weaponize praise to be positive because I don't know about you, but I can get down in the dumps, and it's because I'm focused on my stuff and praising God, like praise songs and that sort of thing. Praising God, what it does for me is it gets me focused on God instead of focused on me. It's one of the best weapons you can use right now. That's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to talk about how to pray when you're down in the dumps. We're going to talk a little bit about prayer. We're going to look at Habakkuk. It's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. So if you have Bibles or Bible apps, open up to Habakkuk. I'll give you a head start because it's going to take you a while. It's a teeny little book in the Old Testament. We're going to unpack it a little bit today, and we're going to talk about how to pray when life has got you down. But we want to start by showing this video, and it's going to make me emotional. It's pretty powerful. Take a look. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us in the midst of our hard times to take a lesson from Amy, and as we're going to see in a minute, to take a lesson from the prophet Habakkuk. God, that we don't have to turn on you in hard times, but we can turn to you 
I pray for the people in this room. We've all experienced hard times. I can't say that I've experienced what Amy's experienced. But some people in this room have. God, I thank you that you are the God of the brokenhearted. I thank you that you are the God who bottles up our tears. And I pray, Lord God, as we, as we open your word, that you would speak to our hearts. That you would comfort those who need comfort today. But God, for everybody, that you would encourage us, that you would give us practical tools to learn how to stay positive when life gets us down. So we sit at your feet today and we listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The book of Habakkuk, chapter one, just to give some context to what we're gonna look at in a minute because we're gonna, chapter three of Habakkuk is a prayer of Habakkuk. It's a, an actual prayer. So we're gonna, that's what we're gonna study today. But before we study the prayer, we're gonna take some three tips from the prayer, I want to make sure that you understand the context of Habakkuk in about a minute. So here it is. Verse 12 of chapter 1 is a great summary verse. Habakkuk prays, O Lord my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Has anyone ever prayed that? (laughs) Financially, emotionally, relationally, with your kids, with your marriage. Surely you do not plan to wipe us out, right? Why are you letting all this stuff happen? O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. So if you don't know the story, here it is, in a nutshell. The Israelites were like really rebellious teenagers, okay? That's what they were like. All through the Old Testament, they were like really rebellious teenagers. And time and time again, they broke God's heart. Time and time again. And every once in a while, God brought in another nation to destroy them. And Habakkuk's a prophet coming to the people of Israel saying, hey guys, bad news, God's going to destroy you now. God's going to wipe you out. And so the first two chapters of Habakkuk are Habakkuk saying, kind of giving warnings to them that uh, you should have listened, kind of like a parent would say to their teenager, you should have listened, right? I can't, I can't make choices for you, only you can make choices, but you don't get to choose your consequences when you make choices. You can make all the choices you want. The only choice you don't have is what's going to happen based on your choices. In other words, you reap what you sow, right? And so this principle is all over the Bible. It's still in our culture. It's still true. And so here Habakkuk is praying to God on behalf of the Israelites saying, you're not going to wipe us out, are you? Please don't wipe us out, O Lord, our rock. You have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. So there's the context. So, then, so, is, so Habakkuk says that in the first two chapters, and then by chapter three, he prays this prayer on behalf of the Israelites, and we're gonna look at it together. He prays this prayer on behalf of the Israelites, and we're gonna learn from his prayer what we should be doing right now in the midst of our hard times. So, so pay attention to these to these points as we go through them. Here's the first thing we're gonna learn. There's just three, we're gonna fly through this. Remember who God is and what he's done for you. And the reason is because when you speak out what God has done, you build confidence in what God can do. I don't know if you realize that that's a principle. When you speak out what God has done in your life, 
then you build confidence in what God can do. Parents, if you don't ever talk about what, how God has been faithful to you with your kids, then your kids are only going to hear the negative stuff you say. And your kids are not going to want to follow that God. Parents, we have to speak, we have to remind our kids about God's faithfulness in your life, in your family. The Israelites, that, you, know, you know the book in the Bible where we see that for the Israelites? It's the book of Psalms. The whole book of Psalms is basically this principle. It's the people of God, it's their songbook. And you know what it's filled with? It's filled with stories about God's faithfulness. You know what their favorite story was to sing about? When, when, when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, you remember that story? And, and the, the Egyptians were chasing them down, and, and God parted the Red Sea, and the, the Israelites went through, and it crashed over on the rest of them. That's, that's, that was one of their favorite stories to talk about. What's your favorite story? What's your favorite story in your marriage? Sometimes Tracy and I will do counseling with couples. And, you know, when you're 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years into a marriage, you've you got plenty to talk about and complain about. Can I get an amen? No, man, you're not supposed to fall for that. But you get, there's plenty to talk about and complain about after 5 or 10 years or months in marriage. Right? Because you've got two people who are not perfect, and you're just going to have problems there. That's just how it is. So one of, the, one of the tricks my wife uses, she's so brilliant, is, is, you know, we'll be sitting there talking to this couple, and I'll be just sitting there like sucking my thumb. Like, I, wouldn't, I don't know what to say right now. Well, Tracy's got a master's in counseling, so, so she's, she's over there just so calm and collected, and this is where I just shut my mouth, and I'm just going, I'm going to let the counselor talk right now. And here's what, if some of you maybe have experienced this with her, here's what she almost always says. Could we just stop Just for a second, because it gets negative and toxic. Can we just stop for a second? We get it. We got issues to work through. Did you guys ever like each other? And they laugh a little bit. Like, did you, why'd you get married? And it might take a while, but we'll go back to the times when they were good. We'll go back to what was good, because po- there were good times. Remember that. And this is what, this is the principle is when you speak out what God has done in your marriage, in your life, in your business, in your church, in your community, when you speak out what God has done, you build confidence in what he can do. But if all you're ever thinking about is right now my life stinks, right now this is terrible, and that's all you ever think about, then you are never going to look on the bright side. Here's how Habakkuk did it, chapter 3. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have Heard all about you, Lord. Look at that. I've heard all about you, Lord. Habakkuk is a prophet at the, at, toward the end of the Old Testament. The Exodus story happened way earlier. Centuries earlier. And so that's what he's talking about. I've heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. That's a, that's a bright side prayer right there. And then he says this, in this this time of our deep need, 
help us again as you did in years gone by. Like, we need a fresh picture. We need a, we need a fresh example of your goodness because we, we haven't had a win in a while. This is what he's saying. Oh, and then he adds in this. Oh, yeah, and in your anger, remember your mercy. In other words, I get it. We deserve it. Because the truth is, as you think about some of your situations, sometimes you are genuinely a victim of your situation. But folks, a lot of times, you had a part to play in it. So don't forget that, especially in marriage. This prayer is so good. I mean, we could, just, we could stay on this all morning, but we need to move forward. But, but you see how the prophet is modeling this thing for us Thousands of years later, here we are, and this is still relevant for us in our hard times, in our dark times. Read this. Meditate on this. Go, go home and study this. Meet with your mentor or your small group or your family this week and open Habakkuk and, and, and then ask this question. How have you seen God at work in your finances? How have you seen God at work in your marriage and your family and that sort of thing? Have a conversation at Chili's about this. We'll let you out early so you can beat the Baptists there, but have a conversation at Chili's. Like, really, sit down and say, let's, let's, let's talk about how we've seen God move. Let's talk about how we've seen him at work. Because here's what you're going to learn, is once you reflect on what God has done, you start building confidence in what he can do. But if you just get, stay stuck in your victim mentality, if you stay stuck in your pessimism and your negativity, Man, it's not going to be any good for you, and it's not going to be any good for the people around you either. Here's the second thing we learn. Patiently submit to God's timing, even when he doesn't meet your expectations. That's a big word there. When you come to God in prayer, let's admit it, we all have expectations. When we come to God in prayer, we have expectations. And when, when we hear a no, at least it's what it sounds like to us, when we hear a no so many times, it's really, it's really easy to just give up on God. It's easy to think God's not listening to us. It's easy to think somehow God doesn't like us or he's punishing us. Or, or so, for some people, they just, get, they just straight up get mad at God. Like they almost put themselves in the position of God. As if we have a right to get mad at God. As, we have a right, as if we have a right to demand our way. But we're humans and we all do that. And so what we need to do here, the second point, is to develop this, an attitude of what I'm going to call quiet trust in God. Now, maybe you've never heard of that before. It actually comes from the book of Habakkuk. It comes from Habakkuk chapter 3. Here's what, here's what Habakkuk says there. He says, I trembled inside when I heard this. And if you want to read the context, is when he, when, he, when he heard about what God had done in the past to punish the Israelites, it said, I trembled inside when I heard this. It says, my lips quivered with fear, my legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. Because you realize that they had some responsibility for the trouble that they were experiencing. But look at what he says next. I will wait quietly for the coming day. How many of you know it is so hard to wait quietly? It is so hard, why? Because we want to gripe. We want to complain. We want to be negative. We want to be toxic. 
It is so hard to quietly submit to God. It's hard. I admit it, it's hard. But I love that, that, I love that he says that. That's why we've got that underlined in your Bibles. I encourage you to highlight that. I will wait quietly for the coming day. Now the next part's really cool. When disaster will strike the people who invade us. I want to give you the full context there. What he's talking about is, here's what I prayed for. These Babylonians are worse than we are. God, you love us more than you love them. We get it. You're punishing us. But when are you going to punish them? How many of you have ever, have ever said that? You're like, I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to do the right thing in my business. And that, bi- that guy over there is having a better time than I am. Just wait quietly. Pray this prayer with Habakkuk. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike that guy over there. This is a prayer that I'm going to have on an index card in my car when I drive. (laughs) No, we're not supposed to have mean spirits toward people. The bigger point here is that we have this quiet trust. I'm not a quiet guy. This is hard for me. I'll be honest, some of you might be like me. I'm not a quiet guy, I'm an assertive person, so it's very hard for me to wait quietly. My, my wife, Tracy, she's assertive. We're both kind of bull in china shops kind of people. We get it. People are helping us understand that. We're trying to learn that. We're trying to tone it down. We're trying to learn how to wait quietly. Some of y'all need to learn how to wait quietly. Submission is one of those words, it's the big S word. It's that word that is so hard, but it is so core to the Christian life. I will quietly submit to God. What that means is, when I come to him in prayer, I don't demand my way. Jesus taught us to pray, we talked about this in week one of the series. Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that prayer. What that means is that there's a reality in heaven that's different than the reality in your marriage. There's a reality in heaven that's different than the reality in your family, that's different than the reality in your community or at your school, young people. There's a reality in heaven that's different than the reality that we're experiencing with COVID or with the riots or with politics or with NCAA football. They're still playing college football in heaven. I don't know if they are. That's just, I don't know. I threw that in there. But, but what, what we know is there is total order. There is no chaos in heaven. And so when we pray that prayer, God, let your will be done. Let, let your kingdom come. What we're doing is we're, it's a prayer of submission. We're saying, I'm not asking for my will to be done. Can you obviously say that? Can you really honestly say that in your prayers? When's the last time you prayed with the heart that said, God, I want your will to be done? It's not natural, is it? What we do in prayer is, here's my list. Here's what I want done. Now, God's okay with us telling him what, what we want. That's okay. He's a, he's a very gracious God. But you know what he wants us to do also? He wants us to say, hey, God, what, what do you want? Have you ever asked God that? 
What do you want in my marriage? Here's what I want. What do you want in my family? What do you want with my finances? What do you want with my health? What might you be teaching me in this crisis right now? What do you want? The mature follower of Jesus is the one who starts praying with quiet submission to God. It's hard, but I'll tell you this, if you don't start doing it, God will make you do it. God will bring experiences into your life to humble you. That's just what he does. So it's better for you. Young people hear this. It is better for you. You don't have to learn the hard way. If you as a teenager can learn quiet submission to God, oh my goodness, your marriage will be better in the future, your family, your parenting, everything about your life, your business, your finances, everything in your world is going to be so much better, even though the circumstances might not change at all. If you could learn quiet submission to God, if you could learn, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, in my world, in my marriage, in my life, man, you will be free. That's how you're led out of bondage to freedom is to pray with quiet submission, like Habakkuk. Here's the last thing. As we finish reading this prayer in Habakkuk 3, we're going to see that we need to stay confident in God no matter what happens. That is so hard to do. Here's here's a hint, though, for how to do that. We need to remember that God is always for you and he's with you. Now, you're, you're looking at that and you're saying, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I, don't know if I believe that God is for me. And you probably could have a, you have a list of reasons why you don't know that you can believe God is for you. But this is the point of today's message. Could you make another list? Could you make another list? Because I bet if you thought about it, you'd have a way bigger list of evidence in your life that God is for you. What happens is, You focus on the negative. Many of us, that's what we do. We focus on the negative stuff. And there's a lot of real negative stuff. I'm not trying to take that away. I'm not saying that that list isn't real. That list is real. God knows that list is real. God cares about that list. But there's another list. God is for you. He's not just for you. Like, it's not just that he's he's like rooting you on. It's not like he's just cheering you on from heaven like, go get him, buddy. Go get him, champ. I'm for you. I'm on your side. No, it's more than that. The Bible actually teaches us that God is with us. That's even more intense. He's for you and he's with you. He's present with you. He's not some distant watchmaker God We just kind of spun the watch and, and now he's just stepped away. He stepped away. He's uninterested in your life. He's uninterested in the world. He's uninterested in politics. That's not true. God is still on the throne. He's on the throne of this world and he's on the throne of your life. No matter what happens, that's the truth. And you need to remember that. Let's look at that in Habakkuk 3.17. It says this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, that's relevant. How many of you have had a fig tree fall down in your yard this, this week? Yeah. And there are no grapes on the vines. I literally was helping Sean at his, at his house the, yesterday, and we were throwing, throwing trees, that, the tree that had fallen into his neighbor's yard, over, over the fence, and, and there were vines on the fence. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to destroy the, these poor vines, right? Even though there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, could we all admit that he's got a bad list? 
He's being honest about the bad stuff. He's not ignoring it. We're not talking about sweeping it under the rug. No, he's admitting it. He feels it. Even though the flocks die in the fields, even though the cattle barns are empty. How many of you have empty cattle barns right about now, you know, figuratively speaking? Like, yeah, I'm looking at my budget. I'm looking at my finances. There are a lot of people in this country, there are a lot of people in this world with empty cattle barns, or they're about ready to be empty. So this is, verse 17 is the bad stuff, the negative stuff. It's true, it's real. But look at what he says next. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. I love this, because what he's saying here is, this negative stuff is real. I know it's real. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not avoiding it. It's real. My life stinks. But he says this. Even so, the word there is yet, yet, I will rejoice. Another way to say that is in spite of this, I will rejoice. We're not telling you to rejoice once things start getting better for you. We're telling you, Habakkuk is telling us to rejoice even when there are no cattle in the barn. He's saying we have reason to be joyful. Why? Because he's the God of your salvation. Don't forget that. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's finish with a couple verses from the New Testament. Romans 8, 31. Paul writes this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Write that one down. A great way to pray is pray scripture. If you have a hard time knowing what to say in your prayer time, pray scripture. Write these scripture verses down. You can find them all online. Go to the Riverdale page, Alpine Riverdale page, and you can get today's sermon notes. You don't have to write it down. It's all right there. But, but remember Romans 8.31. Start praying that if you need that today. And finally, Hebrews 13.5 and 6, it says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's not fake news. That's true. You can take that to the bank. God said it, you can believe it. He says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And you say, but it feels like he has. And I say, well, that's the truth. Your feelings aren't the truth. That's the truth. God is for you. But, 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 no, I know it. I'm not trying to minimize. I'm not trying to diminish your pain. I get it. I, I, you can tell I'm emotional I shouldn't have put Amy Ann's video in to start this message because it got me going. I love Doug and Amy. They're very, very much a part of the story of this church and of this campus. So I get it. I get, I don't get it actually, how this comes across to Amy and to those kids. But I know this, it's true. I know it's true. And so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper so I will have no fear. What can your people do to me? Learn to pray. Learn to pray when you're feeling down because God is for you and God is with you. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray today that you would help us, that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would animate the people here who have just been in the dumps, who've been so discouraged Lord, I pray that you would make the, the truth of these words from Habakkuk, make the truth of those words so clear, so evident. I pray for Amy. 
Brittany Braden. Love them, embrace them, wrap your arms around them in this time. And I pray for the people here that you know their stories, you know what they're going through. People who need a touch from you today, touch them. Allow them to sense your presence. And God, may we quietly submit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.